This is the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. Hey, it's great to have you with us again for another episode of the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. It means the world to me that you would take a little bit of time each month and uh, join me as we invest in helping leaders get better. If you're new with us, we will release a new teaching the first Thursday of every single month. And as always, I want to say thank you when you post on social media and help get the word out. It means a lot to me. I'm going to work hard to bring valuable content in a short period of time. And it's a gift when you uh, spread the word and help others know about it. Also, whenever you rank it or review it on iTunes, that actually helps give us more visibility. And so thank you for those of you that take a minute to uh, respond if this is helpful to you. If you, you want to write in, ask any questions, give me comments, maybe you have ideas of something you want to hear about, um, want to give any feedback, you can email me anytime at leadership at life.church. You can also go to life.church slash leadership podcast. And you can let us know if you'd like to receive the uh, show notes. We'll email them directly to you. And that way you don't have to try to take notes if you're driving. Do not do that. Uh, That wouldn't be wise. So what we're going to do today is we're going to cover part two of something that's a really important skill that we all need to develop. And that's how do we hire and recruit the best people into our organizations. Before we get into the teaching, uh, what I want to do is I want to respond to a couple of questions that you all emailed in uh, recently. And first of all, I want to answer Dan's question as best I can. Dan asked this. He said, how do you effectively lead people that are 10, 20, or 30 years older than you without feeling like you're the one who should be learning from them? We had a lot of people ask similar questions to this. If you're a younger leader, how do you lead people that are older than you? And then Dan wanted to know, you know, especially when you feel like maybe you should be learning from them. And I want to say, well, truthfully, you do want to learn from them. We all want to learn from each other. So there's no rank uh, in servant leadership. But I want to go ahead and try to answer your question. Um, if you want to listen to episodes 12 and 13, there's actually some similar content or complimentary content on leading up episodes 12 and 13 of the Leadership Podcast. There's some information that may be helpful um, as well. The first thing I want to say, Dan, if you're a young leader, is this. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. And I'm obviously a pastor, so I'm going to speak from a spiritual perspective. I know that all of you are not Christians or may not even believe in God. I'm still honored that you would listen. But I'm going to say this, as a pastor, if you are where you are, you're there because God wanted you to be there. If you're not a Christian, let's just say this, you are where you are because your boss wanted you there. There's someone that believed in you. So believe in yourself and take confidence in that, that you're there because you're supposed to be there. Now, remember, people who are older than you, they have something in common with you. No matter how old they are, all people have this in common. They want to be liked. They want to be valued. They want to be appreciated. They want to be heard. So no matter the age, you want to care for them as people. And when you show and communicate care, that actually adds influence. When you care for others, they'll be more likely to be influenced by you. Um, When you care for them as people, what's interesting is the age difference tends to vanish um, away. Now, how do you lead them without feeling like you need to learn from them? You ask that, you do need to learn from them. It's never going to be mutually exclusive. We all want to learn from everybody. Um, here's one thing I would suggest is this. Don't make them feel old. Don't say, man, you know, I do want to learn from you, old lady, or whatever. That's just ridiculous. Don't make them feel this way. And I'll let you in on a little secret. 
I'm 49 years of age. I feel like I'm 30, and I really do. And so those who are older than you, they don't feel older. Don't make them feel old. Treat them like a human being. And when you care for them, they will give you influence to lead. Um, treat them like someone you love. Believe in them, and you'll get a lot done together. Most people respond to good leadership, not ageship. I just made that word up. They respond to good leadership, not age differences. Uh, Jason asked this. Jason asked about delegating, and he wanted to know, how do we discern the line between grace and accountability? So I guess Jason wants to know if we're delegating and someone's not getting the job done, do we hold them to task or do we give them a little bit of grace? How do we discern between grace and accountability? Well, Jason, we have to know that everyone won't hit a home run their first time to bat. So what do we do when someone strikes out? If we want to follow the baseball analogy, my dad was a great baseball player and an amazing coach. He would always tell me, Craig, don't strike out watching a pitch. If you're going to strike out, strike out swinging. So if we're delegating to someone and they, they're trying, they're, they're growing, they're learning, and they're in the game, in other words, they, they, they maybe didn't hit a home run, but they were swinging, we want to have a little grace for them because they're in process and they're improving. If, on the other hand, they're watching the pitch go by, they're irresponsible, they're lazy, they're uninvolved, they're not teachable, then the tone of the conversation changes. Then it's more accountability than it is grace. If over time, they're still trying their hardest and they're not getting on base, then we may want to move them to a different role. So we're going to give them grace if they're improving. If they're irresponsible or not in the game, we're going to have hold more accountability. We're always going to tell the truth. And ultimately, what we want them to know is that our goal is their growth and organizational success. That's what we care about. We want to see them grow as leaders, and we want to see the organization succeed. We are for them. So anytime there's grace, is to help them grow. Anytime there's accountability, is to help them grow. Neither means that we don't like them. Both are expressions of solid and caring leadership. Let's review last month's content, and then we'll dive into new content. Uh, you can have the best product, the best strategy, the best vision, but without the best people, your organization will always be limited. We talked about the principles of great hiring. We talked about beginning with the end in mind. Be clear on the type of person that you want. A general idea of what you want doesn't help you fill a specific role. The clearer you are on the type of person you want, the easier it will be to spot that person when you see them. Begin with the end in mind. Hire for the future, not just for the present. Number two, be ruthlessly selective. When is the best time to fire? The best time to fire is before you ever hire. Why? Because no hire is better than a bad hire. The cost of hiring a bad team member is greater than the cost of missing a good one. And wrong hires early make it more difficult for great hires later. If you ever think for a moment, it's really expensive to hire someone great, wait until you hire someone bad. Why are we gonna be so rigorous? Because we believe in the mission of what we're doing. We want the best people. We never hire out of desperation. If the right person is not there, it is not time. New content. Thought number three. Number one, begin with the end in mind. Number two, be ruthlessly selective. Number three, develop an intentional system or plan. Develop an intentional system or plan. When you know what you want, 
Decide how you will determine a fit. Very simple. When you know what you want, determine how you will determine a fit. Our process goes something like this. If we're looking for a candidate to fill a role, um, we'll get a resume in perhaps or a referral and maybe it's someone within our church or in our organization, and they'll meet with a team leader who will have an initial interview. This is an informal interview. And if that team leader believes there's a 70% chance or better that this person's a right fit, then we'll take them to testing. So this is before the formal interview process ever begins. This is an informal interview. Then we're going to test people. Uh, I'm going to tell you the test that we use. You certainly could use, there are many great ones, but I really, really believe you want to test people to find out specifics on what they have to bring. Uh, we use what's known as the, the Kiersey Temperament Sorter 2. The goal of this is to understand personalities, both temperaments and characteristics. We use one, it's called, we call it the APT. It's the Applicant Potential Test. This test is designed to assess a person's general cognitive ability and to help measure an individual's potential to learn solve problems, communicate clearly, and to comprehend complex relationships. We use the CDAT test. I love this one. It's called the Can-Do Attitude Test. It's an accurate predictor of an individual's attitude, flexibility, willingness to learn, ability to work within a team, and overall job performance. Honestly, if a person hits below a certain number on the CDAT test, they're not a candidate for a role um, in our organization. We use the Skills Profiler. This is designed to assess their ability to learn, solve problems, understand instructions, math skills, attention to detail, proofing skills, language, and vocabulary. That one, for example, is very, very important when I'm hiring an assistant in my office. Uh, the Based in Johnson Spiritual Gift Analysis. This is designed to give us an insight into a person's spiritual gifts. The bottom line is you want to define what tests will help you get the information behind the scenes that will help you determine the types of questions to ask and determine a potential a candidate's potential before you ever get into deep interviews. So for us, once we've done an initial interview, once we've done testing, we'll bring candidates in. If they're married, we bring their spouses in because that's an important part of the process. We'll bring them in for a weekend where we'll tour them around um, different parts of our organization. And then in mon on Monday, they will go through three different interview rounds. So a candidate will meet with a team and then another team and a third team, different people. Each time, the first team will give the next interviewing team information. This is what we like about the candidate. This is what we want you to dive in and find out more information. So we're determining progressive information as the process moves forward. Everything matters to us. How they interact with the person at the front desk matters to us. How they interact with other candidates matters. Are their spouses engaged? The interview questions are very, very targeted. The best predictor of future success is past success. So what we want to do is we want to find out what have you done in the past that will help you be successful in the future? What have you led? How did you overcome a hardship? Tell us about the time, a time you failed. How did you bounce back? Um, I want to break this down and let it be pretty specific. You will likely be asking four types of questions. Many people don't ask all of these types. You want to ask skill-based questions. You'll want to ask value-based questions. You'll want to ask behavioral-based questions. And you'll want to ask character-based questions. Skills, values, behaviors, and characters. Character-based questions. Based on my experience working with different organizations, um, most focus on skill and character. There are so many that overlook 
values and behavior. So we want to dive into those. Uh, this is so important. Now, I told you last uh, month to do some work on the front side, and that was to define your core values and your behavioral values. Values determine what you do. Values determine how you behave. Core values. If you find someone that's crazy talented and yet their core values are different than yours, you do not have a match. You want to make sure that their values align with your values. This is absolutely essential. Then we're going to ask questions toward their values. For example, I lead a group of churches. Here's some things we value. We value evangelism. In other words, we, we value helping people find faith in God. Um, we value big thinking. We, we're always going to think bigger. We value sacrifice. We give up things we love for things we love even more. So what I want to do is ask questions that help me determine, do these people value uh, the same things we value? I might say, tell me about the last time you shared your faith with someone. And if it's been three years, they probably don't value sharing their faith like we would want them to. I, uh, big thinking. I, I might say, tell me about the last time you took a big professional risk. I want to find, are they risk takers? Sacrifice. Tell me about a time when you gave up something really significant. We're asking value-based questions. This is so important. Then we want to ask some behavioral questions. For example, it's really important for you to determine your behavioral values. I'll tell you our behavioral values. We behaviorally, we, we value humility, teachability, resilience, sense of humor. If you're no fun, we don't want to work with you. Sense of humor, work ethic, drive, and flexibility. This is what, what we value. So if I'm asking questions, I want to find out about humility. I might say, hey, tell me the dumbest decision you've ever made. And I'm going to see, can they do it? Are they humble? Teachability. Tell me about a situation that required you to learn something different. Work ethic. Uh, give me some examples of something you did considerably beyond the normal expectations of your previous job. And we're diving into real specifics. Now, here's a sidebar, and I really believe in this. Don't be afraid to put them into real-life situations to test them. For example, if you've got someone who's going to be communicating, man, make them communicate. I recently added a team member in my office as an assistant, and I gave them a one-hour exercise. And let me tell you what I had them do in one hour. We gave them way too much to do, and we wanted to test their ability to handle stress, their speed of work, the quality of their work. We wanted to test their relational abilities, their writing skills. All of this we got in a one-hour test. We had them respond in writing to a critical letter. We had them find scriptures on wisdom. We had them proof a book endorsement, correct mistakes. We had them draft a thank you letter to key volunteers, take a phone call from someone demanding to meet with me immediately, pick a flight, this was tricky, a very cheap red eye that would leave me you know, exhausted the next day, a very expensive direct flight that would leave me rested, so see what they value more. Um, we interrupted them uh, with someone asking questions, and then we had them select a gift for someone who has everything. And so what are we doing? I mean, we're, we're finding out a lot. How do you handle stress? How do you handle interruptions? What's the quality of your writing in a short period of time? Decision-making, do you do what we valued first or not? How much do you get done? And in one hour, now we could really quickly discern how good a performer uh, one candidate would be over another. Don't be afraid to put them in real-life situations to test them. Uh, what if they don't quite have all the skills, but they're like bought in, massive passion? This is my opinion. I always say, higher passion, train skill. 
Hire for passion, train skill. Because you can train skills, but you can't train passion. You can train people to be better, but you can't teach them to be passionate. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to develop an intentional system or plan. And then number four, once you hire, train, release, and learn. Train, release, and learn. Training is absolutely critical. And you're going to want to have a very detailed orientation process. We have a two-day process. We call it Inside Out. We're going to show them the books we read, how to be successful, how to create goals, how to be accountable, what performance metrics we're going to measure, how to stay healthy in our organization. Uh, When they're new on the job, we're going to give them slightly more responsibility than they expect. And we're going to give them considerably more feedback than they expect. Feedback is the greatest tool for growth. I tell new team members this, there's four levels of learning. This didn't originate with me, but I tell them there's going to be stage number one where you are unknowingly incompetent. You don't know what you don't know. The second stage is you, you are, uh, you, there's known incompetence. In other words, you're like, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. Now I know what I don't know. The third stage is when you have unknown competence. You're actually pretty good at your job, but you don't even recognize it yet. And then there's known competence where you're a high performer, you're hitting all cylinders, and you're making a difference. And so what I want to do is help a new team member know you're not going to know it all. You're going to be overwhelmed. This is going to be really difficult. And then suddenly one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be progressing through the stages. And then three months, six months down the job, I'll say, look, hey, can you believe this? You know, Now you're an unknown incompetent, unknown competence. You're really good and you don't know it yet. So we're coaching them through the process. We're going to train, release, and learn. Shortly after hiring someone, they're incredibly valuable. Why? Because they are still objective. Once they've been in your organization for six months, they're losing objectivity. Maximize those first 90 days. Ask them, what's different than you expected? What could you do to make it better? What do you, what do you look at and say, why do we do it that way? Why don't we do it some other way? What's the biggest surprise? Ask them tons of questions. Maximize that season of objectivity. I love what Lee Iacocca said. He said, I hire people brighter than me and I get out of their way. We're going to empower and release, empower and release. If you hear one common theme from everything we've talked about in these two episodes, I hope you hear intentionality, intentionality. Be intentional about how you recruit and bring on people. Why? Because you never accidentally stumble onto a great team. You intentionally build one. Let me say it again. It's so important. You never accidentally stumble into a great team. You intentionally build one. Let's review and then a couple of questions. Number three, develop an intentional system or plan. When you know what you want, decide how you will determine a fit. The best predictor of future success is past success. So let's dig in and learn from their past. Ask four types of questions, skill-based, value-based, behavior-based, and character-based. Don't be afraid to put them in real-life situations. What if they don't have all the skills, but they have the passion. Hire passion, train skill. Number four, once you hire, train, release, and learn. Training is absolutely critical. Give them slightly more responsibility than they're going to expect. We're going to push them. Give them considerably more feedback than they're going to expect. We're going to train them. Shortly after the hiring process, maximize their season of objectivity. Ask them what surprised you, what can we do to improve, whatever you do, 
be intentional. Why? Because you, you never accidentally stumble into a great team. You intentionally build one. Two application questions. Number one, do you have, and be honest, do you have a solid plan for recruiting, hiring, and onboarding new team members? If your answer is no, start creating one immediately. If your answer is yes, ask yourself, what can we do to improve? Do you have a solid plan? If no, get one. If yes, what can you do to improve? Be specific. This is one of the most important things that you'll do. Number two, what is your plan for getting helpful feedback from new team members? If you don't have one, begin to define one. What is your plan for getting helpful feedback from new team members? Thank you so much for being a part of our leadership community. It uh, means a world that you invest a little bit of time with us each month. Thank you for sharing on social media. Thank you for getting the word out, rating and review it. Remember, be yourself. You've got great tools, great passion. Everything is in you for a purpose. Be yourself. People would rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode of the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. As Craig mentioned, we have new episodes dropping the first Thursday of every month with the next one going live on Thursday, June 1st. Be sure to subscribe so you're among the first to know about it. Plus, you may want additional show notes. You can have those sent directly to your email inbox simply by signing up at life.church slash leadership podcast. And Craig's latest book, Divine Direction, Seven Decisions That Will Change Your Life, is available today wherever books are sold. You can pick up a copy for yourself and begin making better decisions that will impact your organization, your family, and yourself. If you've been enjoying this podcast, one thing you can do to help us out is rate, review, and subscribe to it on iTunes. It's one small way that you can help us get the word out and help build leaders around the world. Again, thanks for joining us here at the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. See you next time.